Before we start the podcast tonight, I wanted to bring up something a little bit more serious. A lot of you know who John Draper is. In case you don't, John is kind of legendary among hackers as Captain Crunch, inventor of the blue box, among other things, back in the late 70s. He's also worked with Apple, he coded Easy Writer, he's done a bunch of stuff. Jörg interviewed him for Scene World number 18 back in 2012, and you can find that interview, and it's a video interview, on sceneworld.org in the interviews section. So we, we kind of consider him something of a friend to the magazine, and we'd like to bring attention to some ongoing health problems he's been having lately. You can read about these, the struggles he's been having at his website at webcrunchers.com slash back-to-hospital-again, and, and we'll post that link to the podcast description. But there's a PayPal button on that site, so if you'd like to donate anything to him and his ongoing issues, I'm sure he would really appreciate that. Now let's get on with the podcast. Where's my music? Ah, there it is. Well, we're back with another Scene World podcast. This is number two. Uh, I'm AJ. York is over there, some 50,000 miles away. Hello, AJ. And how are you? I'm doing good. Thank you. <laughs> now, we're going to be talking in a minute with the guys from CinemaWare, but before we started recording, York and I were talking about recognition. Um, in particular, the kind of recognition you might get from doing a media-based project sort of like this podcast or, or video interviews or something like that. And I've been kind of fortunate in that nobody has so far recognized me anywhere except for one instance in which I went into a gas station to get gas and the the attendant um, heard me listening to myself over the radio, which was really more embarrassing for me because I felt kind of like a doof listening to myself, although he seemed to think it was amazing. But York has had a little bit more uh a little bit more recognition in the mainstream than I have. Yes. Um well as as you probably know we do this guy video interviews with tech pioneers. So actually it happens that every morning I go to the central railway station. Before I go to work I buy some something uh, for breakfast at the bakery and there was this guy behind the counter and he said well i recognize your face where did have i seen your face before and i was like well i'm doing those interviews you know with tech pioneers on youtube so maybe you've seen me there i said yeah well yeah sure that could be it so actually people are googling for interviews from famous people like if you look at the ralph bear interview it's like the only one that's a full hour and people were replying to it like wow that's the longest interview of this pioneer ever and well done so i guess we are getting some recognition for the podcast and for the interviews and for the magazine of course too as i said the last time chris crick from epics for example checked out our magazine too and this time we even got some fan email from somebody called Marco. And he wrote to us, nice work with your podcast. Ho ho. So, yeah, thank you, Marco. We are, we are going on and hope you will enjoy our future podcast recordings as well. Indeed. Hopefully Marco isn't the only one listening to our future podcasts. Uh, I guess not. No, no. <laughs> so last... Last time we interviewed uh, Lars Sabirai, 
and uh, he was a great interview. We we talked for quite a long time with him. And we are hoping to do the same uh, this time. We are actually doing the the recording uh, two days from from today with the people from um, Cinemaware. So we are talking about the progress, and actually, this is what I wanted to to start with in this little uh, pre-chat. I wanted to take a look at the progress of the pioneers that we interviewed so far. And as you probably know, they made promises and announcement of what they would do in the future. So I would, I would say, AJ, let's have a look at what they, they came up with. So I think since we are um, a Commodore magazine, let's start with Michael Tomshek. Michael Tomshek was the marketing manager of Commodore back in the 80s. And he actually wrote a book, um, Home Computing Wars. And that actually, well, has a value about between 300 and 600 US dollars if you have a signed version of it. Hmm. And even if you don't have a signed version of it, it costs between 18 and dollars because it's so rare. And uh, since this success and since he's still doing research, he decided to make his new book. And after many years, it's finally out. It's called Nano Innovation, What Every Manager Needs to Know. And it can be bought from Amazon as um, a book or as a Kindle edition. So it's out. It's out now. Um, 400 pages in English. And from what I heard from other people who read it, it's a pretty good read. So you should check it out. It's one of those pioneers from the computer industry. And we should also mention that Michael's book, which again is Nano Innovation, What Every Manager Needs to Know, is also available on barnesandnoble.com and the Google Play Bookstore. And more recently, we had an interview, for example, about Tetris with Alexei Petritnov. And that was a really big one for yeah. gaming fans. Oh, yes. that I guess that was like, everybody loves Tetris. And even my mom said, send me the, send me the video. I want, I want to. My grandma is a Tetris champion. She's a, she's a beast with Tetris. <laughs> yeah, great. So, and he, he announced he would come up with an official battle version of Tetris for electronic gaming for those people who actually make a living on video gaming. Hard to believe, but it's actually true. It's called Tetris Ultimate. It was released actually in, in this summer. And that was released for PS4 and, and what, Xbox One? Xbox One, yeah. yeah. And I had a look at it, and it looks pretty nice. So despite he could lean back and say, oh, I'm done, he's still coming up with new versions of Tetris, and this is the latest one. And it's pretty good because he said... He he never liked the the versions um, when it comes to two player games or something. And actually, um, Ultimate Tetris can can be played with four players, so that's pretty nice. Now his his new versions of Tetris are for modern game systems, as you said, the uh, PS4 and Xbox One. Yeah. But there are still some people doing stuff with older platforms, like the people we're talking to today from Cinemaware who have just struck a distribution deal to release, and they're doing things like bundling the original Amiga version of the game, uh, Defender of the Crown, along with the DOS version. I think they're doing this with a few other games, like uh, like Wings. Wings, yes. 
But that that Wings actually is a reprogrammed new version, and we will talk about that with them later. Right, but it it brings up an interesting an interesting uh, question on this, and I've seen a lot of people asking things about this lately, and it's how relevant are these platforms? And here's how I see it, and and hear me out on this. Um, as a development platform, I don't think it's these 8-bit and 16-bit and even 32-bit in the case of some Amiga systems, I don't think they're viable to develop games on. However, um, they are viable in that they open up all these these niches for different different groups and different people to capitalize on, whether it's uh, remastering games, as, as we're going to see Cinemaware does, or writing reviews, or writing articles about retro gaming. It opens up all these little new aspects for people to, to really kind of make use of. Well, that's actually interesting, because even our staff member um, of Scene World magazine, Andrew Fisher, he is, he is a freelancer journalist in retro gaming, and he is actually he's actually writing for Retro Gamer, which is a British retro gaming magazine, and he's very successful, actually. So actually, the Retro Gamer even, even came to Germany now, and they are even translating it to German because it's such a success in the UK. So Right, and that's even a question of, again, the nostalgia value is creating actual, like, niches for journalism and people writing books and articles and game reviews online you know there, there's i i can't count the amount of game review websites and channels of people complaining the angry video game nerd and nostalgia critic and all these different people retro hunter who one of our guests is is the host of there's so many different little niches there that these older possibly obsolete machines still create for people to, you know, I know that some of these guys that do these reviews or, or you know, writing books and articles, they, they're making a living off of this and uh, making a living technically off of games that haven't been released in 20 years. So it's... <laughs> like it's, Apache Software, Apache Software with their um, Duke Nukem thing. Exactly, yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> That's actually interesting because they announced last week they are resuming the studio. Though they are back, man, they are back. They're back. So even... Even they are coming back. Right. Well, this huge push for nostalgia is bringing a lot of these companies back to try to capitalize on the fact that people want to relive their gaming youth. Although I, I kind of don't know why anyone would want to relive playing winter games. But <laughs> it's causing a lot of these uh, these companies to pop back up to try to repackage or or make a sequel to these classic games that people want to play again. and. You know, even some of these these people and companies are going the Kickstarter route to try to raise the money to make some of these new games. Yeah, but actually, we, as you know, we had we had David Craig in the interview, mm -hmm. and he said he stopped making computer games three years ago because he was tired of begging for money to create new or old games via Kickstarter or whatsoever. So he is now. So it's actually not easy to make a living on new games, let alone the old games. So what is actually, well, Sven and all the other guys trying to do is making a living out of new, that nostalgia. And I really hope that works out because I think they deserve it. I remember playing Defender of the Crown with my grandfather 
as a child, that was totally awesome memories. Right, yeah, and and the, the way that they put them out and the way that they, they produced the games were really kind of something different from what you see now, which is a lot of, you know, really overproduced, kind of not that great. You know, the, these things were really well done, and I, 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 I put it on the same par as uh, as the, the LucasArts games, where it was yeah, really Lucas something film. different. Lucasfilm yeah. back then, yeah. Yeah. So it, it, was, it was actually... Um, Video game studios trying to make cinematic games. Right, yeah, that, that were really kind of pushing the boundaries that weren't just, you know, a shoot 'em up or, you know, a Pac Man sort of thing where, you know, simple stuff where it was, there were graphics and there was, you know, there was text and there was, you know, all this stuff together to make a really, it was almost like you were watching a movie, not with obviously the best graphics that you would have in a movie, but, you know, the closest thing you could get at the time. Yeah. There's another uh, interesting effect of this is that I was just uh, reading. There was a game on Commodore 64 a long time ago called Mean Streets. And uh, it, the original one was kind of a full motion video thing. Yeah, and you were, actually sitting, you were actually sitting inside the vehicle. And, yes, yes. And driving around. There was, I remember it, it took three disc sites. It mm -hmm. was such a huge game. Right. A big chunk of data, which is actually the same for Rocket Ranger. Yeah, 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 but the nostalgia for that has has ended up. Uh, they've now produced another, a, a fourth or a fifth sequel. I'm not, I don't know which which one it is, but it, it's it's amazing that this nostalgia has prompted people to kind of revisit it. Yeah, and why it's, not? I mean, and it, it is currently selling on Steam. <laughs> all powers to them. I mean, I I personally like it. Mm -hmm. That um, people like Sven Fersing and um, even Alexei Petrovnov can make a living on retro gaming. Why not? Absolutely. All powers to them, yeah. Right. And I would, I, I mean, I rather prefer people who know about it, who were back then childs creating those games or young adults or adults than big companies trying to, to squeeze money out of Right. right, exactly. So I would rather prefer those those small companies coming back from the ashes. Right, and, her, and who are doing it because they want to do it and because they like the platform and they like the style of game and they like creating games rather than they like making money, which is what a lot of companies like Nintendo who throw these kind of mini-games into their newer games and you know Mario Party exactly trying to cash in on their on the nostalgia value of their old games well actually it's interesting that Cinemaware was for example brought back by a Brazilian Lars Fruken Batista well let's talk to them about that because we actually have Sven Fersing and Matt Falkus from Cinemaware hi guys hi uh, I guess our first question is, uh, you guys are involved in CinemaWare, which has been around for quite a while, uh, since the early 80s, and uh, how did each of you uh, get involved? We'll, uh, we'll ask Matt that first. Uh, well, to be honest, I've, I've been working in games for about 11, 12 years, and the first game I did was uh, Defender of the Crown, the, the Robin Hood version of it, and we, we worked with uh, the guy that runs CinemaWare, and um, in, the, in the past year or two, we've, we've got together to... Uh, recreate wings do the remastered version and uh, working with sven and some other guys on it so yeah we've become a, a great little team all right and how about you sven uh yes i um was uh, uh since the 80s a big fan of cinemaware and uh it was a little bit uh, silent around the years and uh 
as Matt said, they they came back uh, early 2003, uh, 2000 with uh, new games, and then was also a little bit silent. And uh, there was some announcement made uh, in in the community board, and uh, and I ask every time, hey, what's happened now? And said, yeah, there will something happen. And hey, what's happened now? And what's happened now? And sometimes then I wrote later a mail and said. Hey guys, what's up? <laughs> what happens now? Tell me. And then uh, they may come back uh, like, "Hey, uh, if you want to help us, uh, help us." And that was uh, three, I think, around three years ago. And now I'm working for Cinemaware. <laughs> so Matt, you were you were talking about um, the guy who actually runs uh, Cinemaware. If if I remember correctly, that's the last Furkan Batista from yeah. Brazil, actually. Who yeah, took, that's right. Who took yeah, over? Last. Who took over after the uh, bankruptcy from Cinemaware? Yes, that's right. Yeah, and uh, yeah, he he'll, he's in Brazil and the USA, and we have a development team in the UK and and guys in Germany, so we're international team. How do you actually organize yourself? I mean, you are you are spread across the world. Brazil, um, UK, Germany. Did you heard about the internet? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> what is this internet you speak of? Uh, it, it, it has no future. Forget it. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, but it, it, must, um, it must be different to work remotely together than sitting in the same office. Yeah, but it's good and it's bad. It, it makes it really easy to talk throughout the day with, with each other. In our own offices, we can talk to anyone on the team through Skype and uh, the internet, but we have our, our own teams which we can work on, work with. But we do meet up. Uh, we met at uh, Gamescom this year, and we meet whenever we can. Sven and Lars meet up. That's true. I saw La- Lars there. Yes. Yeah. And it's interesting because I was asking him about his plans of Cinemaware, and and he seemed to be pretty modest. He said, "Yeah, well, uh, well, I hope it will work out. We will see." Um, he seems to be that kind of guy who is more the calm kind of guy who's, who first says, let's see before we make big um, assumptions. Yeah. Uh, that, that was actually my, my impression on him, that he, he is very, very modest and very... Um, well, he's not, he's not trying to be the big guy like he's the superhero. Yeah. He's realistic. Yeah, yeah he's realistic. Yeah. Yeah. But he has big ambitions. Sure. You know, he really wants to grow this company. World, what number one world? So yeah, yeah. The the company is really working with uh, the push towards nostalgia that a lot of people are feeling these days uh, with re-releasing these. And I know you guys just uh, worked out a deal with GOG dot com to uh, yeah. distribute Defender of the Crown, and I think the, the you're bundling the original Amiga version with the game. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we've got the Amiga version and the the PC uh, DOS version, and we also just released uh, Rocket Ranger through through GRG as well. Uh, at Friday, we released Rocket Ranger there. Also, um, yeah, the, the Amiga version. Yeah. And how does that work with the Amiga version? How does, if I don't have an Amiga emulator or something, or an actual Amiga, how do I use that? Oh, well, we developed our own emulator, so it, it just um, runs from your PC. You, know, you don't need any of the software. It runs for you. So that's really kind of a, a good way to cash in on this, this nostalgia thing. And what do you guys think of the, the really big push towards nostalgia that everyone's got now? Because there's a ton of reviewers and you know the retro gaming magazines and, and whatnot because people really want to seem to relive this gaming childhood that they had. Uh, f- for me personal, 
um, it was yeah my entrance in this business because um, I think around five years ago um, I working uh, in the IT business and I made a, a show started to make a show called uh, Retro Hunter. It's a classic gaming show. Um, I also made an interview with, for Jörg and also a special show only in English for, for Jörg. <laughs> um, I made this, this was a hobby. And uh, then some um, a German website, Gamers Global, came to me and said, hey, I want this show. Uh, please make it for us. I said, okay. And I said, okay, hey, there is really a possibility to earn money with retro gaming it was not much but it was for me the entrance in this business so i started working for an online magazine uh that was my complete job then i get in touch with cinemaware and other retro stuff and you see how wow really you can earn money with retro gaming if you make it good and this is awesome this is really awesome to to uh get to have a job like this because also retro gaming is my hobby uh okay i don't have the webcam on right now but you you would see a room complete full of games <laughs> also my uh my apartment is is full of games and consoles um and this is awesome and also the community is is, is great uh go to so much meetings meet other uh fans uh also i i met Jörg uh, at the <laughs> with the retro community so this is really for me. It's really awesome to to see that uh, retro gaming uh, is uh, such a big thing right now. Yeah, you were mentioning it, and actually, I wanted to explain to to our listeners why we, we are, why we are getting to the second time because usually we just interview people one time. Um, <laughs> and because I'm so famous. <laughs> <laughs> because it's interesting how how somebody makes a hobby into well a work. So you are making, you are trying to make a living on it now. So, guys, if you, if our listeners, if you want to to have a look at at his retro gaming show, um, the Retro Hunter, and the interview we did, it's it's linked on uh, Cineworld slash interviews, and there you can also see the interview we did with Sven on video. Um, and now the question is to me. How you met got into the this gaming business? Um, well, to be honest, it's a, a family business. So, <laughs> so my older brothers have, have been creating games since about 1983. So I grew up around that and and saw lots of games from the early days that they made. And when I when I left university, I was going to go into a, another career, but I ended up working for the family business and been doing it ever since. Um, I started off just testing games and. Then became a designer and producer, and that's where I am today. Really, I'm still doing it now, uh, still running the family business um, with one of my brothers. It's destiny. <laughs> destiny. Yeah, there's exactly. no way, no escape. <laughs> if if I if I look back to all that, I mean, right now I'm thirty, I'm thirty-two, and I remember playing. So yeah, and I remember playing Defender of the Crown with my grandfather on the Commodore sixty-four. And all these other cinemaware games, and it's it for you. I think it must be an honor to work for the company that you looked up to when you were younger. Well, for you, for example, you Sven, you you reviewed games and you did your Retro Hunter show. So I guess you never thought you would actually be part of the company. 
No, never. I think maybe uh, five or six years ago, when a friend, uh, if a friend came to me and said, "Hey, uh, Sven, uh, in five or six years, you have worked for one of the German biggest website for for, uh, for video games. Uh, you have your own show, um, and then you starting working for Cinemaware." Uh, I would uh, say you are crazy, or or maybe th uh, 25 years ago, when anyone ca ca would came to uh, come to me and say, "Hey, you uh, will later work for this company uh, who make this game," so said you are crazy, man. This is this is really it's an honor to 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 work with this this company and uh, to work with these games to to work with this uh, big IP. So that there are still big names, Defend of the Crown, Wings. It's it's. Uh, it's still still a big thing and um so yeah for me it's a big honor and a lot of these games that are being done now like uh, i know that wings was a, a a reprogramming of the original game but the from what i gather the most of the gameplay is pretty well the same maybe better graphics and stuff but for the most part the game is is the same and there's again a real push towards that more simplistic kind of retro type of gaming too and and you see it in in even new games are trying to emulate it like a lot of these games kind of take their artistic cues from this older stuff and what what do you think it is about those games that really draws people is it just the nostalgia or is it because the gameplay is better than what's being made now or is there something untangible about that yeah it's difficult to um to break what's what's um such a classic gameplay mechanic or a uh, something you remember from your childhood or um, so I think that's why these games are so popular. But a lot of younger people like them as well. And I think certainly things with with the mobile phone and tablet gaming, it's you want something quick and simple to do. And um, that's why I think these games really hold up still today. And certainly graphic wise as well, people really like the old pixel graphics and things. It, it reminds them of games like they used to be. But that is going to change too. I mean, you mentioned the mobile business, but if you look at the latest iPhones and the iPhone 5S, it actually had 64-bit CPUs and stuff. Mm. It's going to be more towards modern gaming on those platforms. Yeah, I think so. I think things will become like that. I think already with iPad, it's it, you get more powerful games on iPad. Yeah, I've seen a lot of of newer games like that coming out, and it's it's always yeah. seemed to me like if you know if you're trying to play Call of Duty or something on your iPhone, it's just not gonna it's not the same experience as if you were playing it on no. on a computer. Whereas some of these older games, maybe you can kind of get that you know put a fake gamepad on on the screen and pick up some of that same classic sorts of gameplay that you had with the older. Yeah, yeah, true. There are a lot of. Uh different devices you can use for your for your tablets and your mobiles now to emulate the old days that's a re really thing i like about this uh these times right now that, that, that i can play uh old classics when i'm i'm sitting in the bus and play uh play some some cinema web titles on, on my iphone or or i think it's, it's a really cool times we have right now um <laughs> well you had the same as the game boy in the 80s and 90s but you didn't publish on the game boy <laughs> uh, we 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 published on the Game Boy Advance. We, oh, uh, Wings, yeah, uh, Wings and the yeah. End of the Crown were released on the uh, uh, Game Boy Advance. Uh, was uh, a unique thing of the Game Boy Advance version of Wings was that you also could play the German side. And while we're talking about older systems like the Game Boy Advance and the Game Boy, um, you're actually doing something with an older console, right? Uh, a Mega Drive release we will do next year 
uh, it came from the desert. That was a game that was produced uh, or and completely, yeah, maybe completely done twenty uh, five years ago, but was never released. And we will release it next year on the Mega Drive. So really on the uh, designated console, it will be released at a special edition. Um, but we will also add more content, more graphics, maybe more gameplay. Um, and also, um, so yeah, we have different um, areas and games uh, right now uh, we will work on. So And that game is going to be released actually on the vintage, on the Mega Drive, which I think in America, I think that's the, the Sega Genesis. Genesis, Genesis. Right, and how how does that how do the logistics of that work? Like, how do the how do the sales of that? That's obviously it's probably going to be an online sales, but what kind of sales do you project for that? Is it gonna? You think it's going to do well? Yeah, I think thirty, forty thousand units. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's really just kidding. Uh, it will be a, a, a limited edition. Uh, uh, we don't have exactly right now the numbers, uh, but it will be uh, limited because it will it will be completed in a box with with manual, uh, with poster, um, with cartridge. Uh, we will work together with the guys from Pier Solar Watermelon Games. They are producing uh, Mega Drive games right now. And they have the completely logistic. Uh, they produce it, uh, the, the the hardware, they, the uh, delivery, all the stuff, and uh, we work together with them. So, um, yeah, you, you can't expect uh, high numbers like this. And uh, I think it's a cool thing because we are right now the first company ever who will release an uh, an unreleased game. But on this designated hardware, uh, you have often some release for emulator or something like this. But this game will release for this designated hardware and as a limited edition. That is that is really cool because a lot of times you'll see games that come out and and as something you can download for an emulator just to just to try it. And well, that is why you have those games that weren't pages. About all those games that were supposed to be released but right. never made it, but they, but there's a demo or a preview or a mm-hmm. screenshot or something. But the difference here is with the cinema title so far that you were going out with that idea through Kickstarter actually. Um, not for the uh, not for the it came from the desert, but uh, but for the other actual products. Yeah, like Wings, we did it successful, and right now we are at this time. We are within uh, the campaign for Rocket Ranger Reloaded. Matt, you can uh, uh, tell a little bit because it's uh, different uh, from the remastered edition. Yeah, that's right. With Wings, we just remastered, like you said, and um, and just recreated it as it was with better graphics and, and effects and things. But with Rocket Ranger, it's going to be a, a new game based on the original, so we, we're going to add new content and as well as the remastered graphics and the updated effects and all of that but we're going to make it a, a, a really cool new game um, for new systems and add new uh, new areas, new features, new equipment and technology. And I think uh, there's a lot of fans for Rocket Ranger still. It was a really popular cinemaware game. So um, we can really uh, play on, on what they want and what they like about it and sort of re- reimagine it, really. And this, is, this isn't a sequel. This is a reimagining of the original title. Yes, that's right. Yeah, it's not a sequel. It's based... In, in the same world, it was based in the world of 1940 when the Nazis were taken over, um, but they they had some um, secret lunarium, which was uh, they were mining, I think, on the moon, and they were in league with with alien fascists, and <laughs> it was a really crazy story based on 1950s B movies and serials and 
Rocketeer and a comic book series, and uh, the original game was lots of little mini games that could uh, battle these Nazis in the sky and in their secret bases. Um, tell us a bit about the problem of re-engineering, because um, to me, you told me it, it was not easy to to expand the. It came from the desert game. Yeah, um, the, the the problem is that we don't have the source code for it came from the desert from the Mega Drive. Sometimes stuff get, uh, get lost, and uh, if a game was not released 25 years ago, so uh, it, it's been a problem to to get the source code. And then comes the crazy guy like me and says, "Hey, I want to uh, re-release the game," and say, "Okay." Uh, uh, so Lars says, "Okay, no problem," and said, "Hey, but I want to make put in some stuff, <laughs> more stuff in there." And I said, "Okay, uh, yeah, then." Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm looking for. Uh, was looking for a coder who really could. Uh, yeah, rebuild the code, and um, it's it's a lot of work. But I found someone and he's working on it. And yes, um, so um, it's 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 a little bit difficult. Um, but well, without coder, okay. without the source, I would imagine. And as a as a former coder, I can kind of appreciate that you'd have to build it from the ground up. Yeah, that's that's what he's doing. So that was uh, the that was the reason before that we said, okay, we will bring out the game, and then was the uh, okay, yes, I can do this. I can put in more music. I can put in uh, more uh, cutscenes, and then he said, okay, it's, it's possible that we make some uh, some gameplay stuff also. So yeah, this it's really will be an extended cut. Are you planning to do that with any other games aside from that one? Uh, sure. The funny thing is. That we are really open um, to release games, maybe for other systems. There was also a question: Could we release a game also for Super Nintendo or something like that? Sure, we could release it for for anything. But what you should also keep in mind is we are a company, so we have to earn money because Matt wants to to feed his family. Uh, I want to <laughs> feed my. <laughs> my myself <Myself>. and, <laughs> and uh so that we should keep in mind but really we are uh, really open for doing other projects so if anyone has an idea and say hey don't you want to do this or that we said okay come to me talk to me and we can discuss that's interesting because i'm i remember when i was interviewing david crane the co-founder of Activision, he said yep. he would do new games, but he's tired of the fundraising. And I actually, I actually saw he had failed Kickstarter campaigns and so on. To be honest, we have we have uh, also run um, with our first campaign, uh, not open doors, because we made man many mistakes. But that's the thing: um, uh, you can starting a campaign uh, and it it crash, and then say, okay, fundraising, uh, so fuck off. Or you can see what you have done wrong, what you can do better, and start it again, like we did. But, uh, yeah, fundraising is not, uh, I, I think he wants... Uh, I think it's also, you know, if you think about what people would really be willing to pay for, a lot of these games, you know, a, a smaller game, I don't know what, what it was that he was trying to uh, get money for, but something something kind of simple, or a smallish game, people don't really want to spend much money on it. They don't want to really invest in it, but something like the things that Cinemaware... I mean, the, the the games, the scope of the games that Cinemaware puts out were pretty big and were really kind of cinematic events as far as games go. So, I mean, it's really yeah. more of a... For me personally, I'd be more interested in 
contributing to something like that that's going to give me some good solid time worth of gameplay rather than another Flappy Bird or something. Yeah, well, that's the thing with CinemaWare games that, that everyone loved was the stories and the, the characters. It really drew you in, and I think that's why they still stand stand strong. People remember just what made them so fun to play and so involving. And that's that's part of the challenge we have with Rocket Rangers. What do we do to keep that feeling but to remake it and to reimagine it, but to keep that central story and the theme of it all and keep people engrossed? Because we have a lot of fans who really love it still, the original, and we have to keep them on board still. So, um, talking about contributions and teammates and so on, who have you got to, to work with? Um, I know just about Sound of Games. Who else? Uh, well, we have our team in the UK, which um, we, we have a team of about nine people in total, which covers the board. But we've, we've worked, like I say, since 1983 on it through various companies and um, created some of the early games, things like the Dizzy Games and NBA Jam and um, Shadow Man. Yeah, lots of games over the years. And then Sven in Germany as well. We worked together with uh, Kenneth Belwell. Um, he was uh, one of the, the co-writers and music designers uh, for Wings and other games. But uh, he sadly passed away this year. Ooh, okay. It was uh, really sad because uh, yeah. we are reworking re really close with him and... Um, And then he passed away. Um, and uh, we will also work uh, with an old member from CinemaWare uh, together at Rocket Ranger. But we will announce this in the campaign. So uh, right now when the, the podcast is aired, hopefully the campaign is uh, successful and still running. So you can, <laughs> you can see uh, which of the members. Uh, and I think that's a great yeah. thing, too, that CinemaWare is doing because a lot of companies will come back in name only just for that, again, that nostalgia value. You know, they'll bring back some, some old video game company and say, hey, you know, we're putting out new games, but it's got nothing to do with the original company. And they, it's, it's really just cashing out on a name. And whereas you guys really seem to be both honoring the original company and trying to kind of work with parts of that original company to not so much cash in, but more resurrect it. I have to admit that was my first thought when, when, when Sven told me, And my first thought was, does the CinemaWare have to do anything with the old guys? So I'm very happy to hear from Matt and Sven that they're actually also working together with the old staff members from CinemaWare. Yeah, and when we, when we created Wings, we sent an early version to those guys to look at and to give their opinions on, and it really mattered to us what they felt about it. You know, they're still involved. So we could say that the old fans of CinemaWare games are now running Cinemaverse themselves with the help and expertise and opinion of, of, of the original staff. Yeah, yeah, I'd say that's true. And I, I've, I've, you know, I've looked at the, the website too. The website for Cinemaware really is kind of a, an homage and a tribute to the old games yep. and the, even the old style. I mean, everything is kind of pixelated and, you know. And I think that, that, that is the important thing. I think uh, that is also the, the difference between... Uh, Uh, us and other companies who are re-releasing games. Uh, I, I don't say, even say that are all other companies, but uh, Lars, who's running this, uh, running Cinemaware a long time, uh, is a big, big fan of, of Cinemaware. I'm also a big fan, as you know. Uh, I have all those games uh, from Cinemaware. I played them, and so it's uh, and and also Matt and the team. They're also yeah. 
you heard that, heard that often in this business, but we really fell in love with this uh, with this company, and it's also this is our intention to recreate this these games and keep up the spirit of the old games and maybe bring them to a to another dimension right now. So uh, yeah. And, no, it's it's not only business for us because we also love this company and and want to go on with this company. And some of these games are available again on GOG.com, and uh, yeah, yeah, we also did um, Android and iOS versions of a, a few of the old games as well. So they're on uh, GOG and and the app stores. That's that's a good one because I was going to ask if there was going to be a Mac version of anything soon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, the Mac versions of the GOG titles will be out too. Okay. Um, and you've also got, uh, I think, Wings is available on Steam. Yeah, that's on Steam through Calypso, the publisher. And um, there'll be, uh, well, the the back has got a Mac version of that as well. So we don't forget Mac. <laughs> that, that's, <laughs> good, that's good. That's good. That's, we're, often, we're often forgotten. <laughs> and that packaging version from Wings Remastered, when is that coming out? Because I really want the box version. It should be out now. You can order it at Amazon, but it also should be at the uh, normal stores uh, here in Germany. So you get a boxed version. It's also a special version, also only for retailers. You get a postcards in a, in their manual like this. Wow. Okay, I see it. Order yeah. it now. Get it now. Get it now. <laughs> Quick. Come on, come on, Jörg. Come, come. <laughs> okay, I'll, I will buy one. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I've I've got it. Okay. I'm I'm your new customer now. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Good. I love you. <laughs> Live in the recording, guys. Live in the recording. <laughs> yeah. So so what so what are you your future plans aside from Rocket Ranger and Wings and it came from the desert? But do you have uh, new? Uh, are there new titles planned, or are we just kind of? Well. Um... It's, it's difficult to say. It, it, a lot of it rides on the uh, the Rocket Ranger campaign and what we can do with that and how much we raise. That determines how big of a game it, it will be. Um, the, we'd love to do more things with some of the old games and remake them, revamp them, Defender of the Crown, do a, a new version of that, or um, the German campaign for Wings, which lets you play from the, the German side of, of the war, which is a, a whole new aspect with all the storyline from there. You, you could play in the, the Red Baron squadron um, yeah, and as well, a, a challenge for us is, is to build a new audience for CinemaWare. You know, we have lots of fans from the original days, but there are lots of new fans there to make, lots of new people to introduce to the brand. Right, and I bet that that would, you know, uh, expanded versions and uh, like the new uh, Rocket Ranger Reloaded, it would be perfect for courting new uh, new groups of people to really take notice of this. Yeah, we hope so. We hope it, it will stand up there with other new releases and not just be seen as a retro game, but as seen as something new as well. Also, how do you plan to to do more public relations? Are you working together just with the retro scene and community? Or are you also trying or have you successfully found a cooperation with, well, a modern newspaper or magazine or something? Um, It's a little bit hard, to be honest, because the good thing is we have also fans working right now uh, for the bigger magazines, but sometimes it's it's also hard to get it back in their minds and said, hey, come on here, we make a test or something like this. But we also got uh, uh, reviews from, from bigger magazines and also um, 
some of uh, bigger let's players with uh, 30 40000 fans uh, playing uh, making let's plays of wings so um yes it's it's a little bit hard to get back in the minds of the big uh, magazines but also uh, working with the retro scenes and retro magazines is uh, is really cool um they're really open uh, for us and yeah we are uh, really love to 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 work with them together what is your what is your plan for the next years i mean what will you do to avoid that you cannot feed yourself or your family if <laughs> sell games sell <laughs> games <laughs> buy mean... more buy all three Jörg. buy all three <laughs> we'll, we'll come back to your podcast every every month no no i meant i meant i meant as aj said at the beginning now it's a hype that started like four or five years ago about this retro gaming thing. But this hypes, what if, if the hype stops, you know? And as we go along, I, think... I would imagine that even some of the, at some point or another, even brand new games that are being put out now will be will become retro. So I wonder if there's an actual like like timeline when things stop being retro and stop being cool again. <laughs> yeah, when we do Wings Remastered, Remastered. <laughs> <laughs> or like Electronic Arts, Repatrick... Um, there was this Command and Conquer brand for almost 20 years, and suddenly Electronic Arts decided to close down the development office and stop the the gaming series. So, but Cinemaware isn't. It doesn't have a. Uh, you're not like a subsidiary of anything else. You're not like an Origin Systems that gets. That's a small part of Electronic Arts at, where they can just be like, you know, you're shut down. Yeah, yeah, we're we're independent, so we can we can figure our own plan and our own strategy for the games going forward and the brand. Which which is again another really good point about Cinemaware because a lot of again a lot of these other little companies that come out based on nostalgia value are part of another company. You know, it's some huge megalithic software company says, "Hey, here's a little wholly owned subsidiary of us," you know, called whatever, and they're they're our classic gaming division. But they're really not their own company. There's, it's just the big company pretending to be something else. Whereas you guys aren't pretending to be anything. You're the actual. You're Cinemaware. Yeah, we are uh, uh, really the Lars uh, uh, is the owner and uh, runs uh, Cinemaware, and we are all his uh, slave. Uh, I mean, employees. <laughs> and, uh... <laughs> <Stop>. <laughs> Yeah, but for your question before, it's, it's sure it's uh, it's a risk, and sometimes uh, retro gaming is not the the hype anymore. But uh, there there is a hype with something, and then there will be also uh, people left who play those games. And and sure, sure we want to make new titles, new games. Um, but as uh, Matt mentioned before, uh, it also depends on on Rocket Ranger and also on the sales on Wings and. But uh, right now, I think it, it looks good. The remastered edition, it was uh, two over two weeks long uh, at the top 10 at uh, GOG. So um, that is it's, it's really cool. Well, actually, have you thought about competition? Because it was in the news last, last week, I think on Monday, that 3, 3D Realms is coming back from the ashes. No, I didn't say that. There's... Every time a competition in this in this business in this market, but I I don't think 
we will uh, mess with uh, 3D realms because they are another part uh, of the history and also making other games. And there is enough space for everyone. And yeah, so, I mean, is it even really competition? Because, you know, no. Cinemaware has their kind of brand of games that they do. And 3D Realms is something entirely different. You know, they've pretty much got Duke Nukem. You know, so it's there's really no, you know, it's not really competition. If if you happen to like that sort of game, that's the sort of game you're going to go towards. If you happen to like what Cinemaware was, that's what you're going to go towards there. You're going to, you know, go hit your particular niche. Yeah, we, we more compared Cinemaware to actually to Lucasfilms or LucasArts because they also had this <laughs> intro you. thing. No, yeah. You, they also had this. Yeah, they horror. had a very they had a very cinematic feel to the games. You know, you really immersed you in it. It wasn't just and there, there was a, a style to it, like an artistic style to it that a lot of different things, a lot of different games didn't really have. That that's correct because many games at this time have a have a maybe some one or two pictures as intro secret, and then they have the game jump and run or something like this, or they were completely text based. You have uh, games with big stories are text-based. So that was very unique uh, that you really have a um, cinematic story um, storyline. And also, it's not a secret that with, uh, with the TV sports series, um, Cinema also invented uh, the entertainment part in sport games. So e EA picked, picked this successful up. So, really, I didn't realize that. Yeah, uh, that's funny. Uh, funny story because uh, it came from the desert for the Mega Drive uh, for the Genesis. Uh, was done after the the bankruptcy of CinemaWare and EA got the rights and uh, they produced this game and never released it because they were successful with their sports games they did like NHL, NFL. Uh, don't know if they started FIFA at this time. Uh, um, they started with these games. They were successful and said, oh, we don't uh, release. It came from the desert. We make more sports games. And the history was that they uh, see, okay, the, the TV sports uh, series was successful. So we start also a, a sports series with uh, entertainment and they, they got the, the money for the licenses. So yeah, that was... Uh, <laughs> really uh, nice uh, thing and after the, uh, this uh, after time we got the rights back so we can release uh, It Came From The Desert right now. So you're actually picking up where the Electronic Arts game uh, left. Um, um, we released the ROM, the original ROM we released it uh, 10 years ago uh, for, for free at the internet and uh, it still has the EA intro, <laughs> the logo on it, um, but it will be cut out, so yeah. So the website is cinemware.com. Uh, yeah. Is there anywhere else that we should be uh, looking for you guys? Yo, oh, uh, rocketrangerreloaded.com. I, I hope you keep us updated. <laughs> sure. And, yeah, exactly. and thank as, you very thank much you. for yeah. inviting us. Yeah, as, thanks for Here. taking the time. Yes, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure speaking yeah. with you. Definitely. Say thank you. And once again, the website to check out is cinemaware.com, and you can check out the Kickstarter campaign for Rocket Ranger Reloaded at rocketrangerreloaded.com. You can also learn about the remastered edition of Wings at cinemawarewings.com. And we really recommend checking some of these games out, whether it's through GOG.com or the iOS App Store or Steam or wherever they're being sold, because they're great games. How about some more URLs? Sven's Retro Hunter Classic Gaming Show can be found at retro-hunter.de, and Twitter users can follow Matt at at Matt underscore Falcus. We'll be posting these links to our podcast page so you can find them easily. 
As for us, check out other podcasts, video interviews, and other fun stuff at sceneworld.org. I've got a website over at justwestofhell.com, and uh, Jurg also runs a site over at nafcom.eu. This has been the Scene World Podcast. For Jorg, I'm AJ. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.